This episode is brought to you by California Cryobank, Thrive Cosmetics, and Title IX. We are very excited to have them on board, making our show a possibility. We really, really are. Thank you so much. Welcome to If These Ovaries <laughs> Could Talk. I'm Jamie. I'm Robin. And we're your hosts. Let me show you. How do I get the sperm through custom? I am a lesbian. So I think gay. It's so gay. We need to tell our story. It's not your nuclear family anymore. It's not just your mom and dad. Thing. We're not ruining these little humans. It's not for the gay reason. It's just because <laughs> we stay. <laughs> Jamie. Uh, Robin. I am not in my house, so I don't know if the sound quality is going to be different, but I'm in my friend Heather's kitchen living room. Don't ask. You're in the transformation long center story. is really what it's called. I'm in the transformation center. Well, she's out of town. I'd take care of the cats, but there was like a, there was a trans youth march, this huge thing, Amazing. which I was walking home and I was like, how awesome. And then Amazing. I was like, and then I got upstairs and then I was like, oh, it's shaking our windows. And then I was like, oh, this is less amazing because Jamie and I have to record. But it's still really amazing. It's, it's fantastic. It awesome. was amazing. Yeah. But I just wish it we had soundproof windows. Yes. It was huge enough that Robin had to move locations to record, which is and great. That is fucking awesome. Yes, yes. So Robin's in a different location. So I threw her for a little loop, but we're gonna be okay. We're gonna be I'm fine. I'm sweating. Here we're we all are. good. We're all good. We're here. We're good. We're and good. yes, and Jamie for Pride, we just had both our families together yesterday up we in Port did. Washington. All of us together. I can't tell you the last time we were all together, actually. It's been a minute. It's been a, at least a year, I feel like. Year and a half, All probably. Us? Probably pre-COVID. We yeah. were going to celebrate the book coming out, and then, you know, the world stopped. Yeah. So that's the first step. But yeah. So we got invited by one of our listeners, Megan Burnett, and she was all, so come awesome. up to the, to the Pride Parade in Port Washington. And Tigny Rising's playing, and we were like, we're coming. Yeah, we're coming. Yeah. She told us she's trying to get us to move there, too. So there, <laughs> there was that, too. And literally, legit, as we're driving up, because first we stopped at Anne's mom's house in Queens and spent some time with them. And uh, and then we're driving from, you know, way out in Queens to Port Washington, which is on Long Island. And um, we're driving and all of a sudden I'm like, where are we? What happened? This so is just beautiful. I what know. It was happening? so cute. <laughs> so... But we did just buy an apartment, so I don't know if that's happening. But you probably you know, not, Jamie. It is a really cute little town. But it was so cute. But it was also so awesome. Like you, you guys might remember we had interviewed Kristen from Antigone Rising with her wife Sarah Kate, who's mm-hmm. the CEO of Glad, and she got no up big deal, in, no big no deal. big deal. We interviewed them. I don't know, go no back, take deal. a listen at that their episode. house. Hilarious. No big deal. No, no big deal. deal. That was one of my favorite interviews. Oh God, they're both so funny. I know. But so Sarah Kate did like an impromptu speech. And it was so moving. I and know. And what was so awesome. So we were saying hi to Sarah Kate after because no big deal, Jamie. We, we get to we get to know the, the CEO of Glad. We, yeah, we were Like, she knows us. Sort but, of. So, she, I think she probably was like, no, I don't know. Well, we I mean, I did say, I did say, on. it's Robin from Ovaries. Like, I mean, I didn't even give her. And she was still probably like, who the fuck are you? I know, Whatever. She doesn't remember. But so while she was talking to me, I see this like young woman, young lady, probably teenish, kind of like coming in closer. But she was like, Stepping in closely like she was standing next to Prince. I know, like greatness, because like, that's and what Sarah Kate... I know. And then she just kind of sat there, and then she was like, um, excuse me. And then she told her, and I was watching her tell her, tell Sarah Kate how much she meant to her in her work. And I was almost crying. I was like, I know. this is fucking beautiful. I know. What a worldly child. I wouldn't have known who's who when I was that age. But also... In her speech, she mentioned, which I didn't even realize until she mentioned it yesterday, was the anniversary. Five year. 
the fi- the five year anniversary of Pulse. Pulse, yeah. And so she just reminded us all to just keep that in our thoughts and yeah. prayers if you pray, and um, you know, that really put a weight on on the whole event. Well, and she also talked too, which I found so uplifting about how it really starts the power of the movement is in small towns. Like it's yeah. it's wonderful that we have like New York City Pride, but like the real work happens in in showing your representation in all these small towns. And it, it, I just was like, she probably put that speech together in the car. It was so good. Uh, I don't even think she put it together. She was just like, oh, you want me to, because Kristen, who, and Tiffany Rice. Yeah. Also, by the way, they gave an amazing musical performance. Like, let's, let's <gasps> so not, good. Let's not so good. lose that. And, and Chris, I feel like Kristen was like, you're and coming also, up. And also their organization called Girls Rising too. Like they were talking, I mean, fucking what a power know, couple. Uh, so amazing. We are not that power. We're just we were not, there. Jamie. We were there to witness we, it, and it we felt were there good. with blankets. Like that's what we did. <laughs> we showed up like, hi. Yeah. If you want to learn more about this organization, it's called Be the Rainbow Org, and they're the ones that organized the, this the walk. Pride, yeah, this yeah. Pride Walk in Port Washington, and it's a great way to start. It's a great way to start building assets in your yeah. community. And if you're in a small town, like reach out to Mega Burnett or reach out to Be the Rainbow and say, like, how do I do that in my mm-hmm. town? Like mm-hmm. more, 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 more. More rainbows is never a bad thing. All right, all right, all right. We need to say a special thank you to our newest Patreon members. We have another three. Oh my god, I just got so weird. Like another three new. <laughs> um, we have three new Patreon members. I'm yeah. going to try to say their names. Okay, okay, okay. We got this. Kenzie Machuda. We feel good about that. I think so. Kenzie Machuda. That's a cool name. I know it's a fucking great name. It's a power name. Yeah. Uh, hold for Kenzie Machuda, please. Yeah. Go get Machuda. Go get Machuda. She's Ken- down the street. Go, hey, go get Machuda. Machuda. <laughs> All right. Also, Kelsey Gallo and Sophie Gore. These are I think we three, got that. three new sponsors. Thank you so much. And if Thank you, you want to be like Kenzie, Kelsey, and Sophie, and you want to help us make content for LGBTQ families, you can join our Patreon community and you can do just that. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get... You're going to get good things like bonus content at the gestational care level. You'll get video interviews of most of our episodes, and those are dropped a day early. Where mm-hmm. should they go, Jamie, to do this? Well, you're going to go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And you're going to join our community on Patreon and help us out. We really do appreciate every single person who joins. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Okay. okay. Th- this okay. week's episode, Jamie. Wow. Wow. All right. So they reached out to us, which mm-hmm. you know we love. Love, love, love. Lillian and Laura, they've been working hard to have a baby while they are stationed in Japan. Japan. And that's not everything. That's not everything. Six hours apart. So they are originally from this country. They are stationed with the military. Both in the military. Yeah. yeah. In Japan. And so they have been trying to make a baby the LGBTQ way in Japan while they are both stationed six hours apart in Japan, which is a whole nother thing. And this story involves an English translator a lot of train tickets for the bullet train so they can meet up in the middle and the use of a cat's name on legal forms as their husband. Yeah, oh my guys. God. We have to we have to play this one. Navigating this, just hearing their story. You have to hear it. I brought Helen with me over to Heather's so she could roll the tape. <laughs> Helen, one of these days, Helen has to come Helen, to my house. She has a nice bar, but you should get out of the bar and just roll the tape, Helen. I thought Helen was on the wagon. What happened? Well, I mean, Heather has a big bar. What can I say? Well, how come you didn't invite me there? What's going Wait, on? Hold on, hold on. Oh, wow, look at you. Helen made me a cocktail. (laughs) Roll the tape, Helen. Roll the tape, Helen. 
Hi, you two. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Welcome to our podcast. Laura and Thanks. Thank you. So we should tell everyone, where are you all right now? We're in Tokyo. Tokyo, Japan. You guys are troopers. Tokyo. 10 p.m. at you night. You guys are troopers. You are our first guests coming in from Japan. So congrats. Woo-woo. Woo. All right. Cool. Also, I love Tokyo. I, I spent three weeks there. Did you really? With a show. I did. In some big, wow. beautiful theater that was like, had like gold stairs leading up. It was beautiful. Yeah, I don't, that sounds like Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the name of the theater. Let's start where we always start, which is the elevator pitch. Are you guys yes, ready? They have yeah. this. I feel like you guys are going to have this so together. On your mark. Well, man, Get we'll set. <laughs> Go. Hi, we're Laura and Lillian. We're uh, both active duty military officers. We're stationed in Tokyo, Japan. We've been together for three and a half years, and we decided to start our family journey uh, out here. And uh, we've, we'll hear our story. We'll bounce around through clinics and language barriers and sperm international shipping. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're happy to be here and share that story with you today. Well, you, you nailed it. We couldn't, no one could see the timer because of my Golden Girls back screen. <laughs> that was a mic drop moment. That was amazing. So much to unpack here. I feel like I say that every episode. You do. It's true. Do. It's true. <laughs> wow. So, okay. So you're in Japan. And you're in the military. Yeah. yeah. Today we're here and in our capacity as private citizens. Everything we say today is our opinions and our opinions alone. Nothing today reflects the, you know, the opinions of the United States Air Force, the United States Navy, or the Department of Defense as a whole. Um, so everything we say today is, is just the world according to Laura and Lillian. And I have to say, like, when we started this podcast, I never thought we would be interviewing people in the military, but you're not our first interview with folks in the military. So, you know, we are represented out there in the we military are. and proudly very much so absolutely absolutely yep. yeah i will say the fertility journey in the military it's not just same-sex couples you know it tends to be older folks mm-hmm. not older yeah. folks but older couples trying to to <laughs> have you know mid-career babies mm-hmm. and folks that have been exposed to different you know operating environments and stresses and you know i was just talking to a group of navy seals the other day and then we were all sharing our fertility stories oh, wow so, wow it's great Military insurance in general is quite comprehensive, but for infertility specifically, it will only cover the workup. So like if you need, you know, ultrasound and blood testing and all that that you need leading up to, but if you actually need like IVF or IUI, then they, that is not covered. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. It, it's covered now only in the event of a combat related injury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, I mean, God. so, so That's you've tough. been on your journey going it out of pocket then. Oh yeah. Correct. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Well, oh man. Let's let's talk about your journey and like where you all are. Are you starting well, somewhere yeah. else, Jamie? Where do you want to I start? I wanted to start with like the beginning of you guys. Well, we met on Tinder. Yeah. yeah you <laughs> As did. you do yeah, you nowadays. Did. We were both stationed in uh, near Pensacola, Florida at the time. So I had actually just moved there from San Diego and definitely thought that the dating scene for people in the family was going to be about nothing there. But then well, we met and I, I just moved from West Texas. So the dating scene was great. <laughs> compared, to, compared, compared to West Texas as we met on Tinder. And you guys had both, like, you guys had been out in the LGBTQ world before that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and do you feel comfortable, like, being out in the military? Like, what's that experience like? I mean, you're starting to date. Are you talking about it? You keeping it to yourself or... I've always been pretty open, but Laura's been in longer than me, and she actually served under Don't Ask, Don't Tell mm-hmm. at the Academy, so she has a deeper... Yeah, I was in four and a half years under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and I will say that the paradigm shift that happened after the appeal was was complete and total, at really? least in my experience. And, and again, that's you know my individual experience, but I've been in very supportive commands, very yeah, in, inclusive units. 
And I've felt nothing but support in my journey. That's since. great. But yeah. you did feel a shift when Don't Ask, Don't Tell was... Oh, absolutely. Like, did just tons For of people sure. start coming out? Well, I mean, it was very much that Don't Ask, Don't Tell kind of a thing. But everybody knew. I mean, you know. Right. Right. For the mo- you know, a, a I lot mean, of she times. was on the rugby team. So. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, pretty obvious. <laughs> a little bit of an indication. <laughs> so what are both of your roles in the military? Well, Laura's way cooler. She's a pilot. I'm a pilot. Uh, I'm a flight surgeon. So I just ride in the back and, and try not to throw up. I'm, I'm going to say that both of you are super cool. Those I know. Are some What's super up, cool, Top Gun? That's awesome. Badass jobs. It just gives us an excuse to wear pajamas to work, really. True. <laughs> Jamie, it's Ooh. time. California Cryobank sent us a special discount code. And I want to help some folks make some babies. <laughs> Me I got weird. too. Let's make some babies. You guys, seriously, though, California Cryobank is offering our listeners a free level two subscription. You're just going to go to cryobank.com and use code OCT, and you're going to start shopping sperm and buying it, and you're going to do it right now. That's what you're going to do. Yes. This is one of our best discount codes yet. Agreed. California Cryobank is dedicated to helping LGBTQ families, which we love. And they've really made some great strides for our community. They have. They really have. So California Cryobank sponsors family building events nationwide. They were also awarded Family Equality's 2019 Corporate Impact Award for their contribution to helping LGBTQ Mm -hmm. plus families. And they created a special discounted fertility preservation program for the transgender community, you guys. It provides the opportunity to have biological children after transitioning. I mean, they got our backs. Yeah. And also... They are the bank both you and I use, Jamie, to find our donors. Good point. That is true. And let's not forget that. And I am completely happy with the way my family turned out. How about you? Yes, on, on most days. <laughs> um, what kind of question is that, Jamie? Of course I am. I know, I know. But the truth is we wouldn't have the beautiful families we have now if it weren't for California Cryobank. That's true. They have all the info you need to make an educated choice from a stringent donor screening process to personal essays to audio recordings, pictures, you name it. Yep, they have it all. And... They have an at-home insemination option for all of us LGBTQ folks out there who want to get pregnant at home. They have made it easy to ship vials to your home, you guys. California Cryo seriously has our community covered. It's true. All right, folks. So you're going to go ahead and start your search for donors today with a free Mm -hmm. level two subscription. Go to cryobank.com and use code OCT for a free 90-day access to view extended donor profiles, childhood photos and adult photos and express yourself items. That's cryobank.com and use code OCT for 90 day access. California Cryobank dreams start here. Boom. Well, tell us when you guys decided you were like, all right, I think we're going to have a baby. We're in the military. We can talk about it now. We want to have a baby, even though we're in Japan or are we in Japan yet? Like what? walk us through that. Well, I mean, the, the military relationship structure tends to be disjointed oftentimes for folks, mm-hmm. just especially when both members are active duty. And I had gotten orders to Japan on a quicker timeline than I had anticipated. And the only way you can move is if you're married. Like if you move together, the only way you can do that is if you're married. So while I was still in Japan for a deployment, we had the conversation of, we know this is serious. We know we're going to be together. Should we just get married, you know, get the courthouse signature and when i get back so we actually got engaged after we were married <laughs> officially <laughs> <laughs> because you got married so that you could go together to japan right but we like we got back in october got married in october 
And then we had this trip planned to Paris where I was going to propose for Aww. New Year's in Paris. Aww. And I was so like, romantic. Well, still going to do that, even though we're already And I was shocked. Married for two. <laughs> so, yeah, that's so that's the wanna... best surprise right there. Yeah. yeah. You, were you, were you really just like, what? Coming. I mean, we're married. <laughs> yeah. Like there was a ring. I was like, oh. Oh. oh, that's so <laughs> sweet, though. I love that. It was well done. It was right. well done. Yeah. We had talked. I mean, we made sure that we both were interested in kids before we got married. I think that's kind of a critical conversation to have yeah. before you yeah. enter into a lifelong commitment. And so. were you both on board mm. right away? Oh, yeah. And were you already in Tokyo at this point or in Japan? Well, so we got orders to Japan, but then that was actually kind of a shocker because Laura ended up getting orders up here in Tokyo and I got orders at a different base that's about six hours south of here by bullet train. So we've been mostly living apart for the last two years Mm -hmm. and I was deployed twice on a boat. So I've been on a boat for 12 months also. So we've been trying to fit in like, you know, the initial like visits to the, to the doctors and everything just kind of here, there and everywhere. I mean, we went last year right before COVID happened for like an intake so you guys and got then COVID. <laughs> I mean, you got married so that you could go together, but then you weren't even put close to each other. So you went to the yeah. same is country. That normal? Like, is that normal? They were just like, we'll put you in the well, same country. It was kind Navy, of the best they I'm could Air do. Force, yeah. So if those bases aren't oh, located no. next to each other, sometimes best they can do is just you're in the same country. Wow. Wow. Okay. So it was rough though. Tough. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a long time to be apart. Yeah, yeah, we've done lots of weekends, lots of FaceTime, <laughs> lots of miles on the bullet training. You're still yep. apart, though. I'm actually getting out here shortly, so I'm on my terminal leave right now. So I'm I'm up in Tokyo permanently now, but as of like a week ago. So you're, okay, are good. you retiring? Oh, no, I would have to be in for 15 more years to retire, but I've, I you could just quit. Paid, the military paid for medical school, so I've now paid back my commitment. So, yeah, I'm, I'm getting out. Oh, okay. And then you can, you know, be a doctor wherever you want to be, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So walk us through this. You decide you want to have kids. You're how many hours apart? Six, six hours six by, six bullet by bullet train? train. Six hours. By bullet train. That's like really far. <laughs> <laughs> so how does this work out? What, what What's going on? Well, so I started making calls basically to IVF clinics in Japan because we don't have, um, like the military hospitals have regular OBGYN, but we don't have IVF out here. So you have to go out into the community. Okay. Interestingly, Japan has a very high number of IVF clinics like per capita because of their, you know, sort of population decline and issues trying to encourage people to have more kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there are lots and lots of infertility clinics here. So we, I I didn't think it would be difficult to find a clinic, but the first several clinics that I called wouldn't treat um, either single women or women who weren't married to men. Oh, how did you, how did you, did you ask? them that mm-hmm. okay yeah usually emails uh it's a lot easier to kind of bridge the language barrier over an email than it is uh, on the phone and a lot of the times the doctors would just say well oh like we need to do all this testing on your husband and i would say well there's not a husband and then the conversation would and just was cease over. so oh my god yeah wow so we did a deep dive into you know the lgbt facebook community and found in Japan. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. Or mostly like other military folks who had done fertility stuff here and then found this clinic, uh, which is the one that we've been using, um, which is about two and a half hours from me and about three and a half hours uh, from Laura. So, Whoa. and you guys, are you doing reciprocal IVF? Is that why you're going straight to IVF or why IVF? Why IVF? That's a good question. Yeah. Wow. Did you consider trying at home? 
Yeah, the the initial thought was that we have a very specific timeline because mm-hmm. we're only really out here for a little over two years. Mm-hmm. And then based on what we're trying to do next for our next move and our, our next, you know, job timelines, basically, we're like, okay, if we could fit it into this basically six month window, yeah, that's ideal. In the hardest place um, to do it. I mean, I don't know if it's the hardest place to do it, but it seems like there's all some serious barriers to getting it done in Japan for well, which, so once we initially sort of had trouble with finding a clinic, I thought, well, hey, let's just, you know, let's just do it at home. We'll just buy some sperm online. No big deal. But it turns out that in Japan, you also can't get it shipped <gasps> to your house. It has to oh. go. It, they will only import it directly to a clinic. Oh, okay. Man. So that option went out the window, which was a huge bummer because that would have been optimal, especially with COVID and everything. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So that kind of brought us full circle back to having to use the clinic. That's right. so interesting. So you made an IVF choice based on more on timing and like, and circumstances more than anything, not based on like, oh, we we're stepping it up. That's really interesting. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm a doctor. I feel like I, maybe I should know better, but I kind of naively thought like, well, you know, IVF is going to be just the most expeditious way to like, like foolproof, like what could go wrong? You know, <laughs> well, you just do the things the and, and the, the pregnancy happens. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. You know, um, and we're like, all right. And then well, you and listen to our like, podcast and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it might be hard. Lillian got off the boat. What in October, November, November. Yeah. So we were like, okay, we need to start then. And then if we do it and, you know, retrieval, retrieval and then a transfer in January, would all work out and we'll we'll leave in July or August. Right, right. In a perfect world. Well, psych. And we're like, yeah. of course, what could, you know, <laughs> what what could, could go, go wrong? wrong? It's science. Exactly. It's science. There's no miracle here. Where did you end up getting the sperm from? A bank? Just a traditional sperm yeah, bank? Yeah. From so, Denmark. From, oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. As you do. Um, yeah. So we had to navigate basically a place that would ship internationally and mm-hmm. in a place that would, like the clinic here in Japan would be able to receive it. So we didn't want to use a new bank and have them have to like negotiate that situation. So they gave us a list of like banks that they had already imported from. And then we kind of went from there just to avoid more of a, like a headache. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a lot of choice? Was it a good bank? Yeah. What was the donor pool like? Like, were you happy with? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's all like, you know, Viking (laughs) men. (laughs) 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 To be completely honest. We didn't even say who's carrying. And Ooh. whose eggs? What Lillian's me. carrying. Laura's like hard pass. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Laura, you knew right from the start. So that's always an interesting thing. Like, you know, we, we talk to couples all the time, which you know, because you've listened to the podcast. And there's usually one person in the couple, not always, but a lot of times there's, there's one person in the couple who, who never wanted to carry hard pass. But a lot of times that person in the couple also wasn't sure mm-hmm. they... Uh, wanted to have kids or or just didn't think it was like in the cards for them, but that wasn't your experience. So that's unique in and of itself. I guess everybody's experience is unique, but I think that's interesting. Yeah, I'm interested to see if you change how, your mind at all. Yeah, I don't think I will, but... <laughs> you never know, because my answer. wife... But it's been great. Yeah, my it's wife, been great. she yeah. said she didn't want to, and then all of a sudden she did, so I don't know. Fair enough. Yeah, you, know, you never know. Sometimes you I know. I never say never, so... I've always wanted to, though, so that was that was easy. You know what, Robin? Mm-hmm. Life is getting back to normal. And, Tell me about and it. And with that, we've had to start wearing pants again, as <laughs> you true. know. And you know what else we've had to start wearing? Makeup. In our line of work, unfortunately, makeup is a necessity, and I've been wearing it a lot lately. Oh, it's so true. Yeah. I had to wear makeup, like, more than once this week. But I'll tell you one thing. 
When I have to wear makeup, I am glad that we have discovered Thrive Cosmetics. I am too. First of all, all their products are formulated without parabens, sulfates, or phthalates. And Thrive Cosmetics never test on animals. Oh, and they're Leaping Bunny and PETA certified as 100% vegan and cruelty-free. So I feel comfortable letting my 12-year-old wear it too, which, you know, she does now. I know. Which means she's stealing mine. I know. And I love them for that and for their bold, bigger-than-beauty mission. So for every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates to help women thrive, like women emerging from homelessness, surviving domestic abuse, fighting cancer. I mean, come on. That's important. And I also, I really love their Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara which I am also wearing right now. I mean, there's so much to love. That mascara doesn't clump. It's genius. Mm -hmm. And it comes right off in the wash. I I love it. Mm -hmm. I'm wearing the Thrive Cosmetics uh, Brilliant Eye Brightener, which I love too. I I put it on anytime I want to feel like I did a little something, something, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, a lot because I look bad as a mom most of the time. No, you don't, but it does help. Not going to (laughs) lie. You could have fooled me. Listen, Thrive Cosmetics products are the best and their bigger than beauty mission is truly inspiring. You're all going to love them as much as we do. We promise. So visit thrivecosmetics.com slash OCT for 15% off your first order. This is an exclusive offer you can only get here, guys. And it's it's Thrive and then it's C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash OCT and you're going to get 15% off your first order. ThriveCosmetics.com slash O-C-T. So how did you find a clinic that would work with you? You were emailing and you did finally land on one? Yeah, a clinic that some other LGBT couples had used. And they also have like an English language service that you can purchase. So Uh they like navigated the sperm importation and she like makes all of my appointments for me. Okay. Oh, that's nice. This lady who works there who's mm-hmm. from Philly. I don't know how on earth she ended up in this very strange job. But Indeed. yeah. So. so you had like a personal secretary, yeah. basically? Of course, yeah, she had to pay she, for. Yeah, kind of like a concierge. Yeah. yeah, like a concierge. To help you through. Because you guys don't speak Japanese or you speak very little. No, or? certainly not well enough. enough like, to, it's hard. It's you hard. Know, a couple phrases to get by, but that's yeah. all. And once you found the clinic, was it was it like easy and they were accepting of you too? So... It's actually like don't ask, don't tell at the clinic. Oh my very God. much so. Wow, um, so like, tough. and that, I mean that's literally how it is. Like all the forms say like wife's name, husband's name, mm. and the the English speaking lady that we work with was like, don't put Laura's name on there. And I was like, oh why not? And she was like, just she was like, <laughs> some people put their cat's name. So my cat's name is on the form as my husband. Oh, yeah, husband. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Whoa. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and and so and he, my cat Baxter, signs all of the forms. So like I'm, you know, I sign like Baxter on, <laughs> on every form, See, and then I sign my actual. You're basic. Name. You're pretending you have a husband. Yeah, it's it's very cat weird. husband. Yeah. It's very lesbian. It's, is there? Are there any? <laughs> what? That's true. <laughs> are there any like? legal implications like to the Baxter thing? I mean, because you're not using the same paperwork for having the baby. It's just to the appointments, right? right? Yeah, yeah. It, and frankly, like all of the Japanese forms have to be in Japanese. So everything that we sign, there's like a form that's the English translation, mm-hmm. but that's like just for me. Uh-huh. And then I'm just signing on, you know, something that's like kanji, 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 and just hoping that <laughs> it says what they say that it oh, says. Yeah. It does. yeah. We're legally here under, you know, an agreement yeah, for the yeah. U.S. forces. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not here under like a, a visa right. or anything like that. So as far as legal implications, we're, we're, we're fine. We're yeah. fine, yeah. But legal implications aside, that's tough. That's hard. And Emotionally. That's a, yeah. a hard reality. And Laura, that means you can't be around, I'm assuming. I come to all the appointments. Do you pretend to be um, her friend? But I, her friend Laura? 
Yep, I'm always yeah, the friend that comes along. What a supportive friend you are, Laura. <laughs> I sure am. They have a little cafe up on the top, like on the top floor of this clinic. So I go hang out in the cafe. Yeah, <laughs> my God. They don't let anyone in for like right. the embryo transfers or anything. Even like the, you know, the husbands don't, nobody Even gets to go in. Even non-COVID times? So no mm-hmm. one. It seems what? very like 50. Oh, like it's, it's yeah, back it's... in, although we didn't have IVF in the 50s, but it feels like if they had IVF in the 50s, it would have been like this. You know how the husbands waited in the waiting room and the baby was born mm-hmm. and. It is very different from the U.S. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just, at least my experience yeah. has been. I mean, and we complain about the hoops we have to jump through in the U.S. <laughs> and then, you know, and then you hear this and it's it's tough. It was know. just, yeah, a, a different journey than I think we anticipated just based on education and research we did mm-hmm. for you know, services in the United States. Well, and that's so. been one of the hardest parts. Of course, I can't help myself, you know, going down the rabbit holes of reading like randomized controlled trials and everything and well because you're a doctor comparing, of course you're like, doing that yeah right? <laughs> it's it's a bad habit yes, but I, I do not have that she problem. does not have that problem <laughs> no but just seeing like how many things they do differently here than they, i know that they would at a clinic at home like and what? being like oh well there's no way you're i mean they can't be monitoring you're two and a half hours away from the clinic so right so they- i've had my blood drawn uh, once at the very beginning and then uh, once before each retrieval and that's it. Like my what? whole retrieval was just ultrasounds. There were no blood draws. And I was like, how do you know what's going whoa, on? In there? Whoa. So yeah, that was not what I expected. Yeah. Although I think part of that is they were willing to treat us from a distance. And I think the vast majority yeah. of the clientele would be in the Osaka area. And, and they would be doing more is. standard. And yeah. they would be getting okay. monitoring. They're kind so. of accommodating I, you because of your circumstance, right. which is very, exactly. which, is very nice. which yeah. we're, you know, thrilled about. Yeah. 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 So what else is different though? The, some of the, the medication regimens are a little bit different. The first, uh, the, the dose of estrogen that they were using for my prep for the first embryo transfer was just too low. And I kept saying like, I'm like a 70 kilo American lady. Like, I think I need more <laughs> medication. <laughs> and so then when we, the spoiler alert, the first transfer failed. So when we did the second well, one, I'm six I, feet tall. Yeah. I'm, I'm a large American lady. So <laughs> when we did the second one, I was like, I think we need to start higher. And they were like, yes, we agree. And I was like, okay. okay. But it just took all that money. How much, and what, what are the costs like? Is it comparable to the U.S.? Well, it's definitely, it's definitely cheaper here, which is one of the driving forces of why in our brains we're like, it'll be easier. It'll be cheaper. Yeah. Because regardless Um, of what country you're in, your insurance, if you're in the States or you're in Japan, it's still not going to cover your fertility. Right. Right. Well, so the government of Japan subsidizes fertility care just as a whole in general. So the costs out of pocket for, for everybody or is lower than what you'd pay in the United States, even coming like a foreigner coming, not covered under any Japanese healthcare. Mm-hmm. However, however, <laughs> we did not factor in like the English concierge services, oh, like the surcharges, the sperm like, importation, the, you know, like the gold costs. diamond package that that comes with the sperm importation costs and the shipping costs and the storage costs, the train tickets, the train tickets. Yeah, because the bullet train <laughs> the transportation is not cheap. Costs. It is no. not cheap. It's they, amazing, but it's not yeah, cheap. Don't yeah. have frequent flyer miles. No. <laughs> no. Oh, wow. And all of this during mm-hmm. COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Traveling yeah. all over the place during COVID. That's a whole nother can. Yeah. Of Were you able to do that during? Yeah. I wore an N95 on the train and had my command was great. And I got special mm-hmm. permission to be allowed to do it because it was medical. So, and we got vaccinated early. We're lucky oh, okay. um, out here. So, oh, okay. Yeah. But then also that means you had to tell everybody that you were working with that you were trying yeah. to get gay pregnant, 
right? Like both of mm-hmm. us basically, which is oh, yeah. totally yeah. uncomfortable. I had, I did that for yes. work and it's super uncomfortable. <laughs> and then, and then you're not getting pregnant. And so that's even more uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Cause they don't want to ask, but like, you know, they're basically just waiting for you to be like, well, I have another appointment as yeah. like an indication of whether yeah. things went well or yeah. yeah I know that's, oh, so, I hate that feeling. It's, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, yes, <laughs> it's tough. Okay. So you've done just you've one done at or? least one. Yeah. So we did our first egg retrieval in December mm-hmm. and they got 16 oh, oocytes. Nice. And I was super hopeful. And we wanted to do, oh, that's another thing that's different out here. We wanted to do uh, the pre implantation genetic diagnosis. Uh-huh. And so they were going to, try and see how many eggs they could get between like day six and seven for that. And then none of them made it on the first one. Oh no, but you did the extra genetic testing. Right. Mm -hmm. So none of the frozen embryos made it. And we were shocked. I don't know. That was just like the first of many things, you know, where I was like, we had 16, no problem. Like what could go wrong? And then there were zero. That happens all the, like you watch them, you get like, you get your first call and they're like, well, we got 18 eggs. We got 16 eggs. And then three days mm-hmm. later, you get your next call. And they're like, well, they whittled down to eight. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then you get. Yeah, then, I went 16, nine. And I was like, okay, nine. That sounds yeah. good. We're still good. And then you get the next call and it's three. And you're like, oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Well, there's three. And then like what happened to me, I go in and then all of a sudden the doctor's like, yeah, they don't look good. And I'm like ready for the transfer. So, mm-hmm. and that happens a lot with IVF. And I guess people don't realize that it, you start with this huge number and it just, ooh whittles down because they're doing tests they're seeing how far they get yeah well and we were gonna have to freeze them anyway because i got ohss pretty bad both times so they were like no fresh transfer ohss stands (laughs) for the ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome wow i was just like bloated and sick and (laughs) miserable oh so they were like it's not a good time to try an implantation right when you're there is that the yeah because if you get pregnant while you have ohss already it can prolong it for like weeks to months Mm. Um, and it can be dangerous. And so the, they recommend a frozen transfer. But so the first one didn't work. So so you had to do another another, <laughs> um, another retrieval. Yeah. Yep. And the second okay. retrieval, they got 23. Wow. Okay. A ton. And this time we said, okay, we want, can we try to do the, the pre-implantation testing on half? And the other half, you just freeze at day three like you normally would, which is what they do here. I think at home, they usually do day five. Yeah, at home, they do five. Well, it depends on the clinic. But this clinic does three. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, so they're doing day three here. So we said, let's do half and half. And again, none of them made it to the testing. But we had but the we half. Had, that we, yeah. But that we, we had kept. five. Day three. Day three. Mm-hmm. But still, we were like 26 to three. Like, what's going on? Yeah. Oh, God. Um, it's hard. So we had five. So <laughs> okay. So now you have, yeah. you have five. And those are threes. frozen now. Yeah. So we had five frozen. And then we did our first frozen transfer in March. March. Yeah. March. Well, with April? just one. Uh, oh. And that one did not work. Ah. And that two week wait was just oh. like, oh. The two oh, and they don't, they don't do serum HCG here. They just do the P test. So you have to like actually wait until day 14. And of course I, you know, was like peeing on a stick on day 10. Yeah, I know sure. I knew that, that was Nobody dumb. Waits. You can't <laughs> wait. I was peeing on a stick on day two. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Still <laughs> looks <like>. good. <laughs> yeah. Would they put in more than one in Japan? What's the rule on that? Yeah. Oh, she offered two. Oh. And I was like, ooh. On the first go? Yeah. Like, I'm only, I'm 31, you know. I was like, oh, I don't think so. That sounds like a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that one didn't take. Or Yeah. Okay, sorry. That's, that's what sucks. <laughs> so that's um, fairly recently. Have, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you still so have we did more a, frozen, if I'm doing the math right? Yeah, well, we did a second transfer in the middle, end of April. Mm-hmm. So 
of two. And we let them do two, which is so scary. I know. It's so scary <laughs> when you do that. We'll it's like, okay, all right, let's not get twins. Let's not get twins. But then at the same time, right. you're like, please let this take, please, but not twins, but please. Yeah, right, and you yeah. don't want to put the wrong message out into the universe. Like I'm, I was mm-hmm. constantly like in my head, like, okay, I want this to take, but please no twins. But no, I'm sending I the know. wrong message to the universe. Yeah. So no, I want this to, you know. <laughs> We've been like, one is better than two, but two is better than zero. Yeah, one right. is better than two. <laughs> That's good. That's a good way of looking at it. Robin, I am wearing my Title IX clamber shorts <laughs> yet again. I do not want to take them off. They really are the most comfortable shorts I have ever worn. It's true. I would make fun of you, except I'm wearing mine too. I mean, I freaking love these things. They just move with you. I know. They're super stretchy. They have a wide, comfy waistband, which is Really important. People had babies. Love that. We really do. And tons of pockets. Um, I can't take them off. I'll sleep in them. And I don't even like shorts. I really don't. She doesn't. Well, I she didn't doesn't. before I found these. And I want like 10 pairs of these now. I'm going to wear them all I summer. I know. And for all of you at home, Title IX designs and sells performance outdoor gear and apparel for women on the move. That's women like us, Jamie, mm-hmm. who basically have no space in their lives to wear something uncomfortable. Truth. So true. And it doesn't stop there, guys. Title IX gear and apparel is built to perform and made to last. From innovative swim pieces to bottoms that actually fit, which, let's face it, that's important. Here, here. Every product is designed for women seeking out their next adventure or just trying to feel good in their clothes like us. And the clamber shorts, I don't want to harp on the clamber shorts, but but I'm going to. They're technical enough for a day hike. They're comfy enough to wear on the couch and cute enough to rock anywhere you go they are so throw them on take them off these are our go-to go hard shorts there you go there you go robin so right now title nine is offering our listeners ten dollars off and free shipping on orders over a hundred dollars when you visit title nine.com slash oct you're just going to go to title nine.com slash oct for ten dollars off and free shipping on your order of over a hundred dollars and you're going to start feeling comfy right now Yes, that's title, T-I-T-L-E-N-I-N-E dot com slash O-C-T. Get these shorts, you guys. I'm serious. They're so good. Okay, so, I mean, this has been a process, like a grindy sort of process for you all. Like how? So many train rides. (laughs) And are you back together yet? Are you still six hours apart? And how are you feeling about it? We're finally in Tokyo, and, and there's a sister clinic in Tokyo. Yeah, so, so now it's only an hour instead of two. But, and a half. but like a normal commute train. Yeah, it's great. Like, <laughs> we're together. Yes. I'm not deploying. That's much better. Yes. <laughs> and how has Lillian, how's your experience been having to kind of go through it on your own, like and keep your yeah. partner a secret, basically? Secret. Well, this is our second secret lovers episode. Yeah. I mean <laughs> it's 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 definitely been emotional, I think. I mean complicated also by the fact that they do their best to kind of pair me with a doctor who speaks English, but it's it's still like pretty broken and pretty challenging, which like I'm not complaining about that. I mean, I don't speak Japanese right. and we've lived in Japan for two years, so that's on me, but it's still frustrating. Yeah. It's um, always like every time we're complaining, we're like, oh, we have to check our privilege. Like, yeah, you're in their we're country. We're doing this in a foreign country. <laughs> yeah. <you> get it. <laughs> they are accommodating us. Yeah, they totally they are. They have this service to offer. But it um, is hard not being able to do it with her there. Those barriers and stuff. Yeah. Too, so. Yeah. And especially like the transfers, you not being there was really, mm-hmm. that was really rough. Yeah, because you have this idea in your head that it's going to be like, that it can be possibly romantic. It's never romantic. But still, <laughs> just having your person next to you as you do yeah. it is it's big i just keep thinking about how we have this barrier to as lgbtq people to having kids 
And then you have another barrier on top of it of language and culture. And that's a lot to be processing all at once. So it's like you're in the science part of it without the warmth that Jamie was just speaking about. And then you then you maybe have a doctor who can't actually communicate or you can't communicate with them. Like I did one transfer in Columbia and it was really and I was alone. I was without my wife. It wasn't a transfer. It was an IUI. And I was so thankful to have the donor siblings. Mom was with me. Um, because she could speak, I only had a little bit of Spanish and I definitely couldn't talk about reproductive health. Like I was walking and I didn't, I didn't even know how to say what I was there for. I just thought Mm -hmm. they were going to know. And when they didn't, cause she told me they'd know when they didn't know, I was like, I don't even know what to do. Like, I was just kind of, I kept being like, are you, I like, I was was like, so how do you even mime it? How do you even mime it? I was like, (laughs) you can't, you know, I only did just the one, it was seven days and you've had your whole process in this. Like, that's just a lot. And COVID. Mm. Yeah. It's been a lot. It has. It's it's definitely like been trying to find that path as like the supportive partner as well for me either. Mm. You know, there's plenty of appointments where it was during the middle of the week and I I couldn't leave from my base in Tokyo because I had work or I was flying and then so Lillian had to go and do it on her own and, you know, just being that separate partner, both geographically separated, but also, you know, how do you find that support structure and, and provide that? So, right. And it's really rude to talk on the phone in public in mm. Japan. So oh. we're doing all of this over text because mm-hmm. you're not supposed to like on the trains and stuff. No one gets on their phone. I'm so, all about that. You know, if something bad happened, I'm just, yeah, oh, it's actually really nice. All all about about we need to bring some of that culture here, I think, we because really I don't do. know why people feel the need to have. Yeah. Very personal conversations behind me online. Long to go vote. Yeah, um, they never do that here. <laughs> I know. I'm all about that life. But sheesh, man. And so, like, if you were to get pregnant, and if you were to parent your baby in Tokyo, which I don't, I don't know if that's yeah, is a, that the plan. We we'll go back to the states this summer yeah. for good. Oh, oh well, at least for the next as, few years. <laughs> yeah, as permanent as anything ever is in the, in with the Air Force. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But like, what would it be like? Do you do you have any idea what would it be like to parent in Tokyo as a gay couple? I mean, in general, they've got excellent resources for little kids mm-hmm. here. Mm. How that would look from us, I don't. I honestly think that people would assume that we are like good friends or sisters right, or something. Right. Cause that, <laughs> we, we honestly talk about it all the time. We would love to come back here with little yeah, kids. It's amazing. Like they're adorable little kindergarten uniform. And there's <laughs> like, they sing these little songs we, every day. We actually have a kindergarten right behind us. <laughs> oh, and I'm like the creepy lady, like watching them. Through <laughs> oh, God, that's oh, no. hard when you're trying to get pregnant. <laughs> I remember that face. Yeah. Right there. Mary and I oh. used to go sit at playgrounds and I'd be like, do we look creepy? <laughs> And I'm you like, I think did? we do. Not just me. Yeah. yeah when we were to, trying. I have to pull her away yeah. a couple of times. Or I was like, stop <laughs> looking at the kids. I'd be like, look at that. So cute. It's before you have the kids and you yeah. know what a giant pain in the butt they are. And you're like, look at that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like parenting in Tokyo would kind of, LGBTQ parenting in Tokyo would kind of be along the lines of don't ask, don't tell, which seems to be a running theme in this episode. Yeah. But we still get to live our lives the way we want to, but we just don't ask, we don't tell about it. Well, speaking of don't ask and don't tell, We're not going to ask what happened on your transfers. We're just going to wait until uh, you're sending us an ovaries talk baby picture. And we really are looking forward to that. Oh, are we? Absolutely. I'm putting some energy out into the universe for all this for you too. Appreciate that. I can't wait to hear an update and, and, Thank you guys so much. It was, I'm so glad that you reached out to us and wanted to share your story. Like we absolutely love when we get listeners who email us and want to be on the show. It's like one of our favorite things. It really is. <laughs> thank you so well, much. Well, I love you guys. So thank we you. Love we love you. We love you. <laughs>
Wow. Ooh, what a journey. What, I was going to say the same exact thing. What, what a journey. What, you were? Oh, my God. Oh. No, but it's always true. We, we say it every time, Jamie, but it is always true. It is. No, it really is. They've they've been through it, man. A lot of bullet train rides. In the middle of a pandemic, Jamie. Oh my God. Can you imagine? And doing this in another country where you don't speak the language? Jeez, that's hard. That's I don't even oh I God. don't even know the jargon you have to use in English. No, I can't even imagine. I think there's a lot of just like stick it in. <laughs> I, I all I know is don't even try to tell me that our families aren't intentional. I know. Don't you even try? I'll punch you right I know. in the face. And the fact that that one of them actually had to really be alone, like. They couldn't be together, which makes me sad. But, you know, that is the state of the world. And it's important that we share these stories. But, you know, I wish them all the best and it's going to be great. And let's hope that there's like good news that they're going to share with us Mm -hmm. soon. Like, let's, Mm -hmm. I have my fingers crossed as I'm saying that. Me too. Jamie, Mm -hmm. we do, before we start wrapping things up, I do want to share, and I know you want to too, about this new podcast. It's called Tight Lipped. And it's a storytelling podcast that's it's by and for people who have chronic vulvar, vaginal or pelvic pain. Yeah, this is this is a real thing, guys. And this is serious and it needs to be talked about. And I'm so glad they've made this show. So the show creates a public conversation about, quote unquote, private pain. Yeah, Yeah. They feature honest, personal stories from people living with persistent vaginal and pelvic pain, which... Is more I mean, common than I even knew. And I have to say, I didn't know. Yeah. One in four people with vaginas, one yeah. in four people right. are dealing with chronic vulvovaginal pain. I mean, That's in their crazy. lifetime. I mean, that is insane how many people that yeah. I have not one of my friends and I've got more than four friends with vulvas and, and vaginas. No one's ever said that to me. No, because they don't talk about it. That's the problem. There's a stigma around Now, it. every one of my friends, I'm going to be like, you, are you the one with the vault? Well, well a are lot of women one? don't even come to their doctors, uh, don't even say it to their doctors because right. a lot of doctors don't even take it seriously. Misdiagnosed or yeah. told to like, and yeah, you don't take that seriously. Really stigmatized. We got to talk about our vaginas more. Come on, guys. I know. We got to talk about vaginas. I know. And so, and and we and when they reached out to us, we were like, oh my God, we have to talk about this because like, you know, we have a, a female leaning audience. But like this podcast, it's not just a podcast, but they're also trying to make like they're doing something similar to us in that they want like a grassroots movement, you know, fighting for all those that are experiencing this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, they want people to to be diagnosed correctly, treated effectively and then given some goddamn compassionate care. All of us folks with vaginas deserve compassionate care. That is right. And it doesn't always happen. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're creating these movements. So. You can check them out on any podcasting platform or on their website, tightlippedpod.com, to listen to their podcast and get involved in their advocacy work as well. Tightlipped, T-I-G-H-T-L-I-P-P-E-D-P-O-D-pod.com. I just spelled that out for y'all. And you could take a listen to, to a clip now. Here you go. Yeah. I see a future where experiences of vulvovaginal pain are seen and heard and validated by the medical community. I see a future where addressing pelvic pain is part of my community's intergenerational healing. Where a patient can walk into their doctor's office and get diagnosed on their first visit. Because doctors believe us. Because the other people in our lives support and believe us. Before, I used to feel this really profound sadness every time I thought about my condition. I, I don't feel that brokenness anymore. If anything, I feel like this like gassed up anger <laughs> to dismantle all these systems. I hope that everyone else with these conditions can feel the release of that shame someday too. I hope that you feel hope in sharing your stories and, and in working towards action to change 
the medical system. You're not alone. I know that's kind of like a cliche and what everybody says, but I'm serious. You're not alone. Alrighty, so now, folks, we'd, we would be remiss if we didn't tell you to go out and get our book, If These Ovaries Could Talk, The Things We've Learned About Making an LGBTQ Family. You can get it at all major retailers, and if you want to buy it locally, you can check IndieBound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We can get the audiobook where mm-hmm. you can hear Jamie and I reading to you. In our dulcet tones. Dulcet tones. I like to see your d- nose. But- <laughs> oh, my God. I was and waiting that is- for you to notice. She has a blue thing on her nose. She's five, you guys. Um, And it's available on Amazon or iTunes. And if you get it, don't be afraid to stick something blue on the end of your nose, but also to review the book on Amazon and Goodreads. It's that tacky tape. It's that stuff you use to put things on the wall. I know exactly what it is. (laughs) But that doesn't mean it should be on the end of your nose. All right, Jamie. Tell people where they can get us on social media, Jamie. Okay, okay. Stop bossing me around. All right. So you guys can find us at Ovaries Talk on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are also, if these overs could talk on YouTube, where you're going to see recordings of our live streams that we record every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. You can get in on that and you can interact with us when we do our live streams, which is always really, really fun. You can also, like we've been saying this entire episode, support the podcast and join our community on Patreon at patreon.com slash ovaries talk. And that's where you're going to get that bonus content. You might even see something blue on the end of my nose. (laughs) Thank you to our sponsors. California Cryobank, Thrive Cosmetics, and Title IX. And a huge thank you to all of you folks who are already our Patreon supporters. You're helping us make this show, and we thank you so much. You really rock, you guys. We love you. I wish I could take a picture of Jamie with this thing on her nose. Eggs. <laughs> ovaries. Thing on Jamie's nose. Out. <laughs> out, 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 out. If these ovaries could talk, they would say.